Welcome to Happy Hour in the Heartland, brought to you by NDExplains.com. This is your host, Tyler Axis. Okay, we're actually live here at a Duffy's Tavern in a downtown Fargo with Happy Hour in the Heartland. First podcast episode, and my first guest is uh, former state senator, former minority leader, former always friend, yeah, former lots of things, <laughs> but current friend. Mac Schneider, Mac, you th- thank you for joining me. Uh, thanks for having me here at Happy Hour. I'm yeah, glad to be the first guest. Yes, cheers to that. Um, it's a pretty loud place in here tonight, which is surprising. When, it's never surprising when it's Duffy's. I guess it's yeah. It's, Duffy's on a Friday afternoon it gets a little bit rowdy. Yeah, uh, but uh, so far so good here. Well, um, it, it, so we're here at Duffy's, and it's just fitting that it's you being the first guest, and that we're at Duffy's because it was five years ago that you actually brought me here for a beer and asked me to run for the North Dakota Senate. And I was stupid enough to decide to do it. <laughs> so I blame you for that. But no, it was, it was great. Um, at the time, you know, I, I was young and not really looking at doing something like that. And I ran, I won, got to serve with you for four years. I think we made some positive changes. And now 2016 happened, and here we are sitting in a dark corner of a bar talking about North Dakota politics. Well, this is where it all started, Tyler, and this is where the rebirth happens, right here at Duffy's in, in downtown Fargo. <laughs> well, um, we have a lot to talk about, you know, and I guess right now that's all we really can do is, is talk about it, but I think that's going to add value uh, to the process. Uh, you know, I started ND Explains after we lost on uh, November 8th, and part of it was because uh, here in North Dakota, the conversation's not really happening. You have a kind of a media monopoly that is uh, all reporting the same things across the entire state, good friends with people in charge, so there's nobody really holding power accountable. And uh, I'm hoping that through ND Explains, through our conversations here, that we start to do that. And uh, one of the ways to do that is is uh, through Happy Hour in the Heartland. And the reason why we're starting Happy Hour in the Heartland is over the four years, five years that I've been involved is uh, we've had a lot of meetings. A lot of those meetings have happened in bars, they've happened at coffee shops or diners, and in those candid moments like we're having right now is where honesty really portrays itself. And I want to capture those conversations, and we're going to take this show on the road and hopefully capture those just open, judgment-free conversations and then just bring them to a new level so people can actually just hear what it is we think of. So... Yeah, I want to just thank you for everything that you're doing with ND Explains, Tyler. You, you hit the nail right on the head uh, when it comes to the media monopoly that we have in North Dakota. And we do have some hardworking reporters out there, but there's only a couple that are covering the totally important issues that are happening and, and, and developing in the legislature in Bismarck. And, and so ND Explains focusing in on these local issues, focusing in on North Dakota issues, uh, just absolutely going to be critical going forward. I, I'm sure you had similar experiences on the doors this fall. I knocked about you know 3,000 doors in District 42, and rarely did I have people ask me about property tax relief or uh, the, the budget shortfall. Often they'd ask about the presidential race. Mm-hmm. It seems like that's all that, that people get from politics is you know the national news, whether it's from MSNBC or, or Fox News, you know, depending on your orientation. Right. And, you know, a lot of these decisions that are being made in the legislature and, you know, to a lesser extent city councils gets lost in the shuffle. So thanks for what you're doing with ND Explains. And also, 
you know, two guys with beards drinking beer, talking about politics and Duffy's, that's going to put this elitist thing that, that Democrats uh, unfairly get tagged with to rest. <laughs> well, it's, it's true. You know, I'm, uh, having the, the frequent conversations with uh, people I met along the, along the way over the years is we, we break that label. You know, we're not the wine-sipping, cheers, or, you know, cheese-eating crowd up in the, the president box somewhere. You know, I'll eat cheese if there's a burger underneath. Yeah, well, you know, but we're we're the the people that will go up, belly up at a bar, and just have a candid conversation with you. Not intimidating. We're average North Dakotans. I grew up in a town of 450 people, moved to Fargo to go to Indusio, and um, you know decided to stay. And uh, I think lost in the shuffle of all that is, like you say, when it comes to presidential politics, it's you damn Democrats are just elitists. You know, you had. You tell us how to live our lives. You don't understand us, and we need to break that mold that's been created about us. That yeah. that false persona that that is a Democrat, and that's not who we are. Yeah, I think there are some probably East Coast Democrats out there out there that are elitist. But uh, you and I, and, and a lot of our friends in the legislature this last election, we got unfairly uh, tied to that. And you know that's why I'm so excited about you going forward with ND Explains because I, I think there's really a chance to. You know, just undo that stereotype when it comes to North Dakota Democrats. Well, yeah, and um, it, it'll be interesting. It's going to take a lot of work, uh, a lot of conversations, and that's one thing, you know, unfortunately, in, in politics, we get in this cycle that everything waits until two years, and then everything's crammed into uh, four months. Four months of hard work, you have volunteers making phone calls, you have those conversations, and, and instead of keeping those conversations going throughout the entire time of, hey, this is how things are this way. I think they should be. How do you think they should be? Uh, we need to have that conversation more than just four months every other year. You're absolutely right. It, things get politicized during campaign season, but what you're doing right now, covering the legislature, the article that you had this week about uh, another reduction to the oil extraction tax, I thought it was just absolutely excellent. Nobody in the North Dakota media is covering that at all. But those are decisions that mean in the near term, you know, millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars in the long term over right. the life of the Bakken, you know, potentially billions. Oh, but, you know, we were called liars for pointing out that they lowered the tax. The majority lowered the oil tax in North Dakota. Yeah, they, to, they, they cut the oil extraction tax by 23%. Uh, and I see Ron Ness uh, during the hearing today that's going to, you know, cut the tax again, the, the new trigger that was compromised in last session. We're going to eliminate that. And Ron S. said, well, the oil industry is actually paying $40 million more per month than what they would have done. Well, you know what? If the right would have stayed the same in what we voted for, instead of just $40 million, it would have been closer to $54 million yeah. going to nursing homes. So <laughs> instead of them looking to tax old people for the level of care, which is just absurd, we would have the, the dollars right here already to just take care of the basic services we already need. Yeah. Hey, one thing I hope you'll be able to change with ND Explains, too, is some of the rhetoric. You're right. We, When we raised the issue of the oil extraction tax cut, we were called liars. We're not lying at all. It's a matter of objective fact that they did cut the oil extraction tax by, by 23%. Now, they can fairly say that we eliminated some exemptions, and that's going to cost the oil industry more. You know, fine, let's have that conversation. But we're not lying about it. These are things that are absolutely true, and, and you've done such a good job with ND Explains pointing out you know, the, the truth behind these local issues. Well, I appreciate that. Um, we have a lot of work to do, and, it, and it's not just partisanship either. You know, that's not my intent with ND Explains. It's just to to bring to light. I mean, 
things that aren't being reported anywhere else. Today I wrote about the state of the judiciary being canceled. Yeah. No, it's not being covered anywhere else. And uh, well, I, I don't know exactly why it was canceled. I have my theories on it, but there's important stuff in there and the report from Chief, Chief Justice Vanderwall that no one else is talking about. The, the court's impacts everybody directly or indirectly and that's a quote from chief justice yes so you know my, my hope is to to bring what goes on in in the state capitol in dc and bring it to a level that everybody can just not necessarily just understand but also ha have a conversation about it. yeah I, that was such a loss i mean for al carlson and legislative management to cancel the state of the judiciary not to mention the state of the relationship with the tribes uh but canceling the state of the judiciary address this is something that Chief Justice Vandewall had worked up already. He had it prepared. Yeah. He was willing to deliver it to the legislature, and North Dakotans needed to hear it. Uh, Chief Justice Vandewall was appointed by Art Link. Yeah. He has been on the Supreme Court uh, for that long, and he has forgotten more about North Dakota public policy than anybody in the legislature, including Al Carlson, will ever know. And for the legislature not to hear from him about you know, how the opioid crisis is affecting the court system, yep. uh, about how drug courts are being affected by budget cuts. It's just a real missed opportunity and real mismanagement by, by the majority in the legislature. Well, and it just, so I, I had gotten a copy from the, the legislators out in Bismarck. So I read the report from Chief Justice Vandal. It's nine pages. And I know that every legislator got it on their desk. You know, we've been out there that your desk gets pretty cluttered. And it's gonna be very unfortunate if the legislators, especially the 35 or so new ones, do not take the time to read that and actually understand what their decisions are going to do to impact. I, I think a lot of these legislatures may not even appreciate that there are three branches of government in, in North Dakota. I mean, I don't mean to be condescending about it, but hearing directly from the judiciary uh, does change your mindset. You understand that the laws that you pass have a huge impact, uh, not just on the, the Supreme Court justices and not just on judges in North Dakota, uh, but on everybody who interacts with the court system. And, and that's, as the Chief Justice mentioned, that's virtually everybody. Yeah, yeah, so it's, but again, you know, going back to what we're trying to do here is, you know, nobody's covering this. Um, so I, I'm hoping that this isn't just a, a partisan thing that, that I'm creating here. And I know I'm gonna be accused of just being a political hack. Don't give a shit. <laughs> um, you know, th this, uh, these points of views need to be heard that it needs to have a level of uh, or at least a platform to so others that aren't just on the the center right or far right you know get their stuff shared over and over again without any basis without any counterfact to it yeah so um you know i, I hope we're, we're a month into this uh, we've gotten a lot of traction uh, one of the things that actually has gotten a lot of traction on on nd explains is uh, following the election, I had written an open letter to the Democratic National Committee from a rural Democrat. Uh, it was fun to follow and track where people were watching that, and it started up here in North Dakota, and you can almost just see the flow of people viewing it from North Dakota, it would trickle all the way down the Midwest, down to Texas, moves over, you know, along the, the southeastern part of the United States. That It was that, that Midwest of flyover states. People were reading it, they were connecting with it, they were sharing it, so I'm curious, I know that you had a chance to read it, and I'm not asking for boasting or bragging, but Let, I mean- Let's just get that out of the way. It was excellent. You okay, know, well- I'll, I'll, I'll throw the compliments <laughs> out there just at the outset. Well, cheers to that. I appreciate <laughs> it. But you know, the reason I bring that up is we got our asses kicked in 2016. There's That's about no, right. There's no other way of looking at it. 
I mean, not just here in North Dakota, nationally. Yes, sir. Uh, and it's, it's, it hasn't just been 16, it's been uh, cyclical now for every, every cycle, uh, unfortunately, since about 2010. And my question is, where do we go from here? What do we do? Well, I think we... We don't need to dwell on it, but we do need to understand what actually happened uh, this election. And looking at my district, this is the third time I was running for the state Senate in District 42. And Obama had won the district in 2008 with about 55% of the vote. I got, I think, a point or two higher than Obama in 2008. Uh, He had won the district in 2012. I pulled about nine points ahead of Obama then. And uh, this time I pulled about nine points ahead of Hillary, but Hillary got 38%. And, you know, you're as good at math as I am. That doesn't add up to 50%. And it, it just, I think, really shows how captive, rightly or wrongly, North Dakota Democrats are uh, to the view of the party nationally. Yeah. And, you know, this may be a newsflash, but the Democratic Party nationally is not perfect. I think you hit the nail right on the head with your letter to the DNC. You know, we, we're, we're Democrats. Well, I'll speak for myself anyway. I'm a Democrat because I believe in things like the Social Security program things like Medicare, uh, in strong public education. Um, At the same time, I got the endorsement from the NRA and the backing of the coal industry. And those are issues nationally that that are anathema to the Democrats. Right, it's frowned upon. Yeah, and and so, I mean, this is a state that elected, you know, Kent Conrad, Byron Dorgan, and Earl Pomeroy numerous times. And I don't think North Dakota's changed that much. But what the Democratic Party needs to do nationally is start speaking to the issues that are important to North Dakotans. And I, I think you're doing that with this blog, and you know, I think we can do that as North Dakota Democrats, too. Well, um, that, that was the premise of, uh, of the letter was, look, you got to start visiting and talking with us, not just about us in rural America. And uh, you know, to the credit of certain individuals that are considering being a part of the Democratic National Committee, they've reached out. I, uh, I, I had a conversation with Sally Boynton-Brown, who is running for the Democratic National Committee chair. She's from Idaho. She's the executive director. She understands what we're going through as a red state uh, Democratic Party. Uh, she sees it. She lives in Idaho, for Christ's sake. When she talked to me prior to our, uh, our podcast interview, when she was describing what they're going through in Idaho, it sounded like she was describing North Dakota. Um, so there's that. Uh, I'm hoping to have a conversation with Tom Perez, who's the current Labor Secretary, appointed by Obama. So I, I'm hoping that the ass-kicking that we took in November does have people reflecting on different ways of doing business to start winning elections, because you have to win elections to make policy changes. I mean, we see it right here in North Dakota. We've got two weeks under our belt of the 65th legislative session. And there's more distractions than there are actual good public policy decisions being made. I mean, all we're hearing about are goddamn license plates, you know? <laughs> yeah, that, that is a very interesting issue. I mean, the, the, the bills that get the most attention are, are sometimes the ones that have the, the, you know, the least amount of impact on people's lives. You mentioned that the bill involving you know, whether we have two license plates or one you know, brought by uh, Mark Owens, the owner of a Corvette or something in, in Grand Forks. I mean, I guess the, it might be pretty personal to him, but you know, for those of us that drive uh, 2008 Impalas, I, I could really care less about uh, whether I have two license plates or one. But I do care a lot about things like property tax relief. And I thought what Doug Burgum said and what you covered and Andy explains uh, was really significant. He said we need an off-ramp when it comes to state property tax relief. Uh, if I were a homeowner, and I am, <laughs> uh, I would be very concerned about property taxes going up. And 
it's pretty plain to see why that happened. You know, in addition to the massive increase in spending, you know, a lot of which is justified in my opinion, there were cuts to the corporate income tax, cuts to the personal income tax, uh, cuts to the oil extraction tax, as we talked about here today. And all of those tax cuts are permanent. The property tax relief, that depends on ongoing appropriations by the legislature uh, to fund K-12 education. It depends on the legislature funding the 12% property tax credit that, that uh, the majority tried to pare back even last session when yeah. you and I were there, Tyler. Social services is another big thing that, you know, we mandate the counties cover these things and we don't pay for it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so the property tax relief, that requires the legislature doing stuff, continuing to do stuff. The other property tax or the, the income tax cuts, corporate income tax cuts, uh, those <laughs> are permanent. A live podcasting for you. You yeah. never know what you're going to overhear. There is a big cover. buck hunter machine just a couple of feet away from us. So, <laughs> But uh, anyway, distractions a little bit. But uh, um, yeah, and that's the thing. So, you know, the, the whole mantra that the, the Republicans ran on, uh, when it came to the disastrous budget situation that we have created by them, I might add. Um, not only, it wasn't just oil and egg prices, there was poor decision making. we become so reliant on oil taxes and sales taxes. Uh, but the, they were out on the mantra that we're going to balance this budget without raising taxes. But in essence, by them not doing certain things like funding social services or funding the courts, those things are going to get paid for somehow, and guess what? The counties are going to have to pick up a bigger share, and that's going to come through property taxes. Yeah, and really it's semantics. When they're saying that they're not going to raise taxes, but they're allowing local property taxes to go up because they're you know, intending to peel back state funding for K-12 education or you know, declining to continue the 12% property tax credit, that doesn't matter to average North Dakotans who are paying their property tax bills. That's going to be a tax increase to them. Yes. You know, the... If, folks in the majority in the legislature may say we didn't vote to increase taxes, uh, but when those local property taxes go up, that's a tax increase that people are paying the bills. Yeah, it is. And there's no way about it. it like you said earlier, it'll be semantics. Well, you know, we, we did this without raising taxes. We didn't vote to raise taxes, but you voted to cut funding in other ways, which, I mean, no doubt there's got to be some some cuts, and none of us dispute that. Yeah, It's where those cuts are coming. Yeah. You know, we're trying to delay these new programs that we know are, are necessary when it comes to treatment and rehabilitation. Keep people out of prisons, especially if they're addicted or if they if they need to see a professional because of mental health. Um, you know, we, we just now started to make progress there. Well, those are the things we're scaling back on, but we're not scaling back or delaying any uh, you know, changes when it comes to uh, corporate income tax. We're not saying, hey, we got to hold off on that. <laughs> yeah. Walmart and McDonald's are still getting their tax breaks, but people that actually need help aren't. Yeah, you, you mentioned the issue of addiction, and I, I was I was pretty touched by Governor Burgum's obviously heartfelt comments about uh, the individual we met, you know, just a couple of blocks away from we are, Tyler. Yeah. Um, and. I, I hope that something beneficial can come of that, but we've seen missed opportunities when it comes to, to dealing with addiction. Um, I, as leader, I sent a letter with the three other legislative leaders uh, asking Pew Charitable Trust to bring their experts in when it comes to alternatives to incarceration. Uh, they had numerous recommendations, and, and you know, basically all meaningful recommendations were rejected uh, by the interim committee that considered uh, those recommendations. So very disappointing, but you're absolutely right. We can have better outcomes for North Dakotans by getting them into treatment uh, if they're nonviolent offenders, if they're, you know, their problem is addiction rather than being a violent criminal. Get them into treatment, yeah. get them out of the jail system, 
that's a better result for the individual and it's it's a much less expensive endeavor for the state of North Dakota. It can be a win-win, but it, we haven't shown the political will uh, to address that yet. Yeah, I, you know, um, I worked on the Human Services Committee for the two sessions I was out there. Worked uh, along with Judy Lee, Republican from West Fargo. Worked great with her. I, I've got a lot of respect for Judy. Um, and she always, she has this one line that she says all the time that I absolutely love. You know, it's, you know, sometimes we have to worry about people and not just potholes in North <laughs> Dakota. You know, sometimes it takes money that we have to cover up, uh, you know, some of the challenges and, and help fix those challenges for people, not just fix the road down the street. Um, and, it, and it's great. And I hope that, and, and I mean, just to be candid, we, we know that the, the big issue hasn't been the North Dakota Senate. Mm-hmm. It's been the House of Representatives. Yeah, and, and the House of Representatives, led by uh, Representative Al Carlson, it has so much of an effect on, on the Senate. Uh, you pointed this out on Indy Explains, uh, that whatever we pass in the Senate has to go through the House, and you know the, the Senate is censoring itself in a lot of ways just to, to placate the House. That, that's not the way good public policy is made, unfortunately. Nor is it the way it's supposed to work with the separation of powers or or any of that. And I just, I don't understand how one individual can routinely get um, the, the support from his, his fellow members to get up on this perch and basically dictate what happens, not only in the legislature, but also in the governor's office. We saw it with Jack. Uh, you know, when it came to the special session, Al and Jeff Delzer and those guys dictated exactly what was going to be in that final budget bill. And no one else had a say, and they all knew that we could do better, but they were too afraid to do it yeah. because of one person. And I don't understand why people are so afraid of them. Everybody should understand the most important elected official in North Dakota, the most powerful elected official in North Dakota is Al Carlson. There's, There's no doubt. No question. I hope he listens to this podcast. I, I've always enjoyed working with Al because he knows how to deliver a punch, but he can also take one, too. There's a lot of truth to that, and, yes. And a lot of people don't want to take one from Al, and so they just back down. Yeah. Uh, and, and he gets his way. And as a result of that, he is the most influential elected official in North Dakota. And what I'm afraid is, you know, what you just explained, after the 2016 election, those that were willing to take the punch and throw one back are now gone. Yeah, we're gone. They're, they're <laughs> sitting here at Duffy's they're Tavern at Duffy's in downtown beer. Yeah. Fargo having a beer, <laughs> bitching about it. Which in a lot of ways is better than driving back home on icy roads from, from Bismarck. Yeah, you know, so there's a silver it has been here. an awful winter to, to be out uh, there and come back every weekend. But, uh, you know, and here's one thing, and I've heard this from uh, Joel Heitkamp on KFGO News and Views. You know, just because we we have arguments on public policy and our personalities might not line up doesn't mean we hate the individual that we disagree with. Oh, no, not at all. You know, I, uh, with Al Carlson especially, I respect him as a competitor. Always have. Yeah. Um, but I, I think him getting his way is not always in the best interest of the state of North Dakota. In fact... A lot of times it's it's against the best interest of the state of North Dakota. And, and we shouldn't be shouted down for bringing that up. Yeah. You know, we shouldn't be called partisan hacks or... Uh, I was called a political preacher uh, one day when I was guest hosting a Joel Heitkamp show. Very catchy. I don't think the, the well, text... it's alliterative. That, yeah. Uh, the, uh, PP. Uh, they, well, uh, I don't think they meant it in a flattering way, but that's, that's the kind of pushback we get coming from a red state as a super minority and Democrats, well, you guys are just bitching. You're just being political hacks, trying to stand up for your party, you know, and it's not the case. No. Hey, I, 
when we've debated issues in the Senate, Tyler, they were always on policy grounds. Um, never do we work backwards and say, this is the right political answer, Let, let's, let's debate it on those terms. It's always, what's in the best interest of North Dakota? And, you know, institutions like the North Dakota Senate, the U.S. Senate, U.S. House, North Dakota House, they were developed so people could debate. That's what should happen. Yeah. And when you're debating public policy, you shouldn't be called a whiner or something. That's your job. Uh, that's your job in the legislature. It's, I would never call a Republican a whiner uh, because they disagree with me on tax policy or funding for Western North Dakota or whatever else. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what legislators are supposed to do. And so I hope we'll be able to have those debates going forward without having motives questioned. Well, you bring up something actually along, along those uh, lines uh, when you talked about funding for Western North Dakota. So I, I'm taking us in a different direction here because that just got me thinking. One thing we were accused of over the last you know, two to four to six years was, well, the budget situation's bad, uh, but imagine if Democrats were in charge because they wanted to spend a lot more money than what we did. You know, when I think about during the height of the oil boom, when we offered a bill from the Democratic members that we wanted Western North Dakota to keep more of their own taxes so they could deal with their own problems instead of it going to Bismarck so they could just appropriate it and go out and do a photo op with big checks. That's exactly right. And if you would allow Western North Dakota to keep a greater share of the oil production tax, that's less money that you're spending at the state level if you want to be, you know, academic about it. And it only makes perfect sense, especially during the height of the boom, you know, give Western North Dakota a greater share of the production tax. You know, that's separate from the extraction tax, yeah. as you know. And let them address these needs in their local communities in real time, rather than having the money come into Bismarck, you know, sit there for a couple years while the needs get worse, while the needs change. While the and, needs get more expensive to address because it, materials more get more expensive? Absolutely. And so that, that one wasn't a matter of spending at all. That's about, you know, how do you e equitably distribute the oil production tax? Yeah. Um, it just, it, so you, you, you caught me on on with that because that was just one thing that irritated the hell out of me is well you guys wanted to spend more well you know we wanted to spend more in certain areas we didn't want to give in other areas you know i mean you think of all the lawsuits that we spent so much money on oh yeah that it, were just completely unconstitutional while we debated it in 2013 and you knew it the most frivolous example of spending the most frivolous spending that's out there that i can think of during my time in the legislature was sending several hundred thousand dollars to the Center for Reproductive Rights as attorney's fees for liberal lawyers. Sure. Um, as a Democratic lawyer, I mean, I, you know, I have thoughts on this, but as a public policy matter, sending hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxpayer funds to the Center for Reproductive Rights in New York City is the worst expenditure of taxpayer dollars that, that I have come across in my time in the legislature. And it's all because we passed obviously unconstitutional laws regarding women's health. Uh, that is not just a colossal backfire, which should be highly embarrassing to people like Rich Wardner and, and Al Carlson. It's also the height of fiscal irresponsibility. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, uh, there's there's just so many other examples. I, and I know that there were, there were members on our side that you know, fully supported this as well, but I think about when all the times that we're telling people that we got to cut their budgets, you know, grandpa and grandma, you're going to go into a nursing home because we're not funding 
uh, home and community-based services. At the same time we're doing that, we appropriate millions of dollars to build a new governor's mansion. And what I hear this week is the the $4 million, whatever it was that was appropriated, is now not exactly what it's going to cost. It's going to cost almost double that. You mean a construction project is overrun its yeah. uh, cost estimates? Yeah, that, I guess that's a first. Yeah, it really is misplaced priorities. You know, talking about taxing nursing homes just so we can get the federal Medicaid match. Uh, what what a colossal mis, misplaced priorities. It just is so very frustrating when at the same time you're debating lowering the oil extraction tax when oil is higher than $90 a barrel. Yeah. You're talking about taxing the, the places where you know someday our parents uh, will, will will need to, to be. Potentially, uh, yes. Yeah, it's just absolutely wrong priorities. Well, yeah, and I, you know I, I don't have an answer for it outside of just you know we, we have to continue talking about it. We can't just let it go quietly in the night. I did see that the hearing for that uh, tax on old people is is set for a hearing on. Uh, the, this upcoming Monday from when we're recording this podcast. And I, I think that we've we've raised the level of awareness on that bill to where I, I question if it's going to pass. And it's not just from ND Explains. We reported it first. But, uh, you know, we have the Watchdog Network. They're covering it. They're getting people motivated. You know, the far more conservative yeah. groups. So it's going to take us as outsiders now to just continue to shine the light on motivations, what's going on, how wrong some of the priorities are. So I'm glad that we're able to at least sit here and have the conversation about it and hope people are listening. Yeah, it's not exactly Profiles and Courage either. This is an agency bill, so it doesn't have any legislator's name on it. I know. And that is obviously a political calculation. Uh, Folks like Al Carlson, they may have supported this behind closed doors, uh, but they weren't willing to put their name on this because they want to be associated with taxing old people. Yeah. And that's exactly what it is. Um, you know damn well that they were all part of this conversation somewhere along the way. Uh, and, okay, here's how we got to do this. We're going to put it in, a, in an agency bill. It's going to be under OMB, Office Management and Budget, Pam Sharp, who was reappointed by Doug Burgum after saying that he wanted to change how we budget in North Carolina, which that's a different topic we don't need to get into. Yeah, I guess the retention bonus really worked. It yeah. retained her through the next administration. Yeah, uh, and she's not the only one either. There's there's plenty, and you know we can keep chiefs of staff that also got the huge bonuses that never had any goddamn intention of leaving anyway. Anyway, I digress a little bit. I get a little worked <laughs> up over some of this. And, and that's the thing. So why ND Explains needs to happen and why I'm glad that I, I've uh, you know got this thing going is the motivations for some people and what others have been able to get away with without any public scrutiny is just beyond frustrating for me. Yeah, and I think you can create a better public policy result just by shedding light on things. Yeah. Uh, I think you're seeing that with regard to the, the nursing home uh, tax bill. You know, people are starting to back away from that already. You know, why can't we just fund you know nursing homes at a level that allows us to take advantage of federal matching dollars? You know, back in the, the 1980s when the state didn't have any money when Jack Dalrymple uh, was chair of the House Appropriations Committee. Those were always the priorities. You know, let's spend uh, ta- state tax dollars where we can get a federal match. That only that only makes sense, especially when it's something as important as providing for the health and safety of our our elderly. When we do it for roads and bridges all the time, you th- could you imagine if we were turning away federal dollars for a, for a road? We never would do that. You made such a great point about that during the special session last August. Uh, I thought it was just so cogent. 
Yeah, it's uh, again, it comes down to, to priorities and what are motives for people. Why is it easy for members in the in the legislature to turn their back on kids with disabilities, senior citizens, but then you know come kowtowing to other things? I just yeah, I, I think in a lot of ways because it happens in you know the metaphorical dark of night. Yeah. I have Marvin Nelson had a great line during his uh, speech at the Democratic Convention last spring. If your average everyday North Dakotan were sitting in these chairs in the legislature and you know voted to you know, were faced with the vote of supporting the Robinson Recovery Center, you know restoring $100,000 that in the context of the state budget doesn't make a lick of difference, but it will save lives. I, I know what. You know, everyday North Dakotans would do. They do the right thing to help their neighbors, but somehow in the legislature it gets distorted and, and politicized. So that raises uh, another issue, and it's kind of coming full circle here. Uh, we we know that the average North Dakotan wouldn't vote the certain way that a lot of the members in the legislature do. Because as you said, we are average North Dakotans. Yeah, uh, and it, I'm proud of that. Yeah, yes. So why in the hell do they keep getting elected? I, yeah, full circle, like you said. I really think that we were just crushed by the perception of Democrats nationally. Yeah. Uh, when, for me, being a Democrat has always been about supporting public education, supporting programs like Social Security that work, uh, supporting federal programs like the Farm Bill that are so important to our economy. I mean, th that's why I'm a Democrat. It's not because of gun control or some of those other issues. And so I, I think what we need to do is just break through and show that North Dakota Democrats are not like uh, East Coast Democrats. And that, you know, more often than not, we have North Dakotans' best interests at heart. Yeah, and, and you know, I think part of that conversation, uh, I'm hoping, is going to happen right here through uh, ND Explains. Happy hour in the heartland. Uh, take it out on the road. Visit with those small town diners, those coffee shops, those hole in the wall bars, and just visit with average North Dakotans and and try to understand how we went from Kent, Byron, and Earl for so long, just kicking ass, getting you know winning elections, to now one of the smallest representations uh, in a while. Yeah. Um, you know what's what's happened. I want to I want to dive into are people voting against. Democrats, are they voting, you know, for Republican? What is it? What, what's changed? And that's that's what I'm hoping to get the bottom with, uh, get to the bottom of here with uh, Happy Hour in the Heartland. Yeah, and I think that's the only way you can get to the bottom of is just talking to people. Yeah. You know, people like you know the ones that come here to Duffy's and and at cafes and coffee shops throughout North Dakota that you're going to visit. Um, but I, you know, my inclination is that. You know, the support for Donald Trump in North Dakota, I mean, it is a mile wide. There's no question about that. But I think it's about an inch deep, too. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think anybody who's in love with Donald Trump, I, I didn't get that impression. Um, given the choice, they overwhelmingly voted for Donald Trump over Hillary. Uh, but I, I don't think it was because they're in love with his candidacy or, or buying into necessarily what he says. Yeah, oh, I agree. Got a lot of work to do if, uh, if you are a Democrat and you want to... Uh, rebuild the party or, or get back. There's a lot of work, a lot of conversations to be had, and I'm excited to hopefully get those conversations going, whether they get anywhere or not. You know, I mean, I'm not out to help Dems get elected. I'm out to get the conversation going. So uh, I'm glad to have you here to start the conversation with me. You started the, the path that I was on when it came to elected office, one that I never ever thought about even doing, but uh, so I thank you for approaching me for doing that. And no, thank, thanks for uh, you know chomping at the bit and actually running for office. And you did a great job during those four years, made a huge difference in people's lives. And 
you know, like you said, it all started at Duffy's. Maybe the, the rebirth starts here, too. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. Max Schneider, ladies and gentlemen, he was my guest here on Happy Hour in the Heartland. Uh, we'll be seeing you down the trail at either a coffee shop, diner, likely a bar. We're going to have a good time. Until the next time, let's say cheers. Cheers.